Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin-church.org. And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's word today. in Acts chapter 13. If you want to start turning there, if you have a, a Bible, if you have a, a Bible on your phone that you read, you can pull that out as well. Acts chapter 13. On March 1st of this year, the Felicity Ace sank 10,000 feet uh, below the sea, 250 feet off the coast of Portugal. And this uh, was a massive boat, 650 feet long. So a, a football field is about 300 feet long. So it's like, if you can just imagine the size of this thing, and uh, it, it kind of made a big splash because it was full of luxury cars, full of luxury cars, like 3,695 luxury cars. And I, I found out that there were 85 Lamborghinis on board this, and there were like 15 of the last Aventadors, which was like the, the last production of that particular car. If you're a car person, right, your heart hurts a little bit. Um, they had 846 Audis, 580 Porsches, 523 Volkswagens, and 190 Bentleys were on board this ship, plus some oil and other things. And what happened is it caught on fire. And so there's this massive fire. And of course, with you've heard about like car batteries now, like the, the new... Uh, you know, e-car thing. And so these batteries are fueling these flames. So they have to evacuate 22 of their crew off. They got off safely, praise God. It was all okay. But I, I was just thinking of this boat that's been abandoned and literally just drifting on the ocean full of the finest things. And this would be a great, like, a segue to do not love the things of the world, right? Because things of this world are sinking to the bottom of the ocean on fire, right? Um, <laughs> but that's not what I'm talking about today. I was thinking of the image of being abandoned and adrift. That, that this massive boat full of really, really fine things, like over $400 million worth of stuff, is just being pushed around by wind and currents and waves. And I just started to think about that word abandon and adrift and how that might describe our lives sometimes. Like if we're honest that there are parts of our life, maybe seasons, whole seasons of our lives where we just feel aimless, like purposeless. It's like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going right now. I just, I just feel aimless, abandoned, and adrift. There's um, a proverb, Proverbs 29, 18, and it says this, without revelation, people run wild, but one who follows divine instruction will be happy. And that, that word revelation is like prophetic revelation. It's like when you have a, a word from God, a sense from God of like what I'm doing and, and where I'm going. It's like I, I know what to do. But if we don't have that, the, the, 
the run wild, the, that Hebrew word is to loose. It's like you're, things just loosen in your life. Your life loosens. And maybe you felt that before. Maybe even right now, it's like there's just a sense of, God, where are you? What are you doing with my life? I have no idea where I'm going. I feel so aimless. Lord, what, what should I do with myself? You're feeling aimless. And to, you loosen things in your life. Your faith loosens. Maybe your habits loosen. So what do we do when we feel aimless? That's what I want to talk today. I, I want to talk about the cure for an aimless life. And here's what I hope to do this morning is I want to speak to every one of us who have felt that way because I think we could all resonate with that. We've felt aimless at times. I, I want to stoke the desire to have a vision, like a, a sense of what God is doing with your life and, and to grab the wheel and steer again. I hope to... Um, to wipe the fog off of the compass, to, to get our bearings again, and to cast a clear vision of, of who God is and, and who he's called us to be. I, I want to convince you, by the grace of God, that where you're going and where we're going as a church are not opposite directions, but it's like actually one in the same. Like God's calling us together for a purpose. That should be really easy, right? All those things? No problem. We got this. Okay, so let's go. Acts chapter 13. We're going to dive right into this passage. And here's what we're going to see. This is uh, one of the first churches. So in Jerusalem, where the church began, where Jesus rose from the dead, that's where the church began. Okay, and they be, they're experiencing persecution. And there's like this diaspora. People are being scattered around because of persecution of Christians. And they're going to different places. And they get to this town of Antioch. And they begin to share the gospel with people in Antioch. And a whole number of, of Jews, uh, they, they receive Christ. But then there's a whole bunch of Gentiles that respond. And then we get this snapshot of what's happening in the church in Acts chapter 13. And I'm just going to read the first three verses just to look at this, this moment. And here's what I just want to point out is that I, I believe these guys are feeling aimless or, or they're just feeling like we need to know what to do now. We, we need guidance right now. And so here's what they're doing. Um, chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. This is the word of the Lord. So we have this snapshot into the life of these guys, these leaders, this church at Antioch, and we just have this moment where it seems like they're seeking guidance. They, they need to know what to do now. And so they're fasting, and they're praying, and they're worshiping, and they're pressing in because they need that revelation from the Lord of like, what do we do now? What do we do now? And so the, I just want to 
look at what they did and then talk about what does that mean for us and, and how does that mark us as believers in Jesus? Like what's the example that we can follow that we see in these people? And the first thing is this, that we are people who commit our hearts to God. It's the first thing. We, we are people who commit our hearts to God. We, we have a saying, and of course, if you look in the back, you see these banners in the back, and it says, welcome, but then it says, walk with God, grow in community, live on mission. And that first phrase, to walk with God, is that's what we're talking about, that each one of us is designed as a spiritual being, that, that we were created by God. It says in Genesis that the Lord formed the, the man from the dust of the earth, and he breathed the breath of life, and it's like Spirit comes into the man. And ever since the beginning, we have been spiritual creatures. And we have spiritual longings. We have spiritual hungers. There's, there's a fascination for things that, that are unexplained, that are spiritual, that have that are kind of mystical. Like we're designed that way. I remember as a young man, I was um, I was with my mom. I had just become a, a follower of Jesus. And she went to this really swanky club up in like the 12th story of this downtown Austin building. I mean, it was sweet. It's really cool. Walked in there, you know, I'm a young, scrawny little high school boy, but I'm like trying to pump some weights, right? You know, trying to be cool. And, and they have a little track and, and because it's a, up in a 12 story building, they have to sort of get creative of how they lay this, this place out. And so there was this room that you really couldn't get to unless you're running around the track. And so I'm, I'm jogging around the track and I get around the track and I see these people kind of laying on the floor in weird positions, chanting. And so I didn't know all the fancy Bible words yet about like discernment, discernment of spirits, all that kind of stuff going on. But it's like immediately all I knew was like, I have this really bad vibe, like super bad vibe. And what I'm seeing is like my very first yoga class. Like I had never heard of yoga before. I didn't know what that was. I just see people laying on the ground chanting, right? And it was spiritual. It wasn't just like lifting weights. It was spiritual. There's something in people, whether they're Christian, non-Christian, people have a, a spiritual nature to them. It's just part of how God made us. And because of that, there, there's, this, there's this thing in us that is made to connect with God. You, you were made for that. You, you were made to have a, a life and heart that was intimately connected with the Father, Adam and Eve, they, they literally walked with him in the cool of the day. It's like you as a human being were made for that kind of relationship with God. But you know the story. You know it from the honesty of your heart that how many times do we really feel connected to God? More often than not, we probably feel disconnected from God. That might be a, a better way to describe the common experience. As believers, we know the reason this exists inside of human beings is because that we were made for relationship with God. And here's this, this, this church, and what they're doing is that they are worshiping the Lord, they're fasting, and they're praying, and they are intentionally committing their hearts to God. I mean, they, they are going for it. They need something from the Lord. They need him to speak again 
and to help them know what to do next. There's a moment that we talk about here in the church. It's called Pentecost. And it was, you know, about 40 or so days after the resurrection of Jesus. The disciples are waiting in that upper room and they are praying. And they are seeking the Lord. And it says the sound like a rushing wind came and tongues of fire appeared on their head. And people who are spiritual beings are fascinated by the unexplained and the mysterious. And so the whole town comes out to figure out what is going on here. And Peter tells them, Jesus, he's the Messiah. God's made him the Messiah. But you crucified him. Their hearts are ripped. They're like, what do we do? And here's what he says. Repent and be baptized, each one of you. Get this. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is this. This part of you that was made for God. Jesus made a way for that part to be connected again to him by the Holy Spirit. And he wants not you just to know about him or to know theologically what that means. He wants you to actually be connected to him. He's going to live inside of your heart. We were made for this kind of walk with God. This is why it's priority number one for us as a church. The first thing that we want for every person under the sun is that they would know Jesus. They would walk with God. And here's the thing. If, if we don't understand this, right, if, if we're not connected to the Father, right, we will miss the purpose and meaning of our lives and we will be aimless. We will be tossed around by the loudest voices, the latest currents. Like we will be pushed around by all the things in life without this in the center of our soul. We will unapologetically call everyone to walk with Jesus, to walk with him. We will never stop prioritizing this. We are unapologetically spiritual People, and we will never stop urging and calling everyone to know him, to be connected with him through Jesus. Um, how do we live this out at Renaissance? Well, we have this thing that we do at the beginning of every month. It's called our prayer and worship night. In fact, we have one coming up on September 7th, prayer and worship night. On the first Wednesday of every month, we, we don't have any of our, our house churches meet, which are small groups, and we come together and we worship and we pray because we want to take mo a moment together to focus, just like these guys are focusing on the Lord and to be to be built up in our faith, to pray, to seek him, to pray for one another, to pray for our community. We seek to walk with God. A, a, a tool that we made last year was called the gospel tool. And I think I might have a slide of this, Griffin. Do you see that on there? Yeah, awesome. Okay, so we made this tool and it's just like a little bookmark that you can throw in your Bible. And I, we, we just wanted to describe like, what is it that we do as people who follow Jesus, who, who want to see the gospel expressed in our life? Well, we grow in the truth. Right? We, we just read the Bible. We obey what we learn. We're, we're, we're reading to, to, to integrate into our lives. We serve others. We pray about everything. We evangelize the lost. We want to tell everyone, like, this is how you know God. And we love one another, right? We just want to be disciples who do this. 
We're people who commit our hearts to God. The, the second thing that we see is in verse one, as we read this, it, it, there's this one tiny little word, it's, and you'll just pass right over it because, you know, that's just how we are. But it says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And, and I was thinking about this simple word of that these guys are together in the church. And our second point is this. We are people who connect our hearts to one another. We're, we're, we're to connect our lives to each other in the church. Now, I know that there, we can talk about the church as like the mystical union of all believers of all time and all places, and we're all part of this big universal church, and you know, when Jesus returns, we're all going to be together, right? It's going to be awesome to see all these people, right? That, that's going to be awesome, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about a, a local church that they were in together. They were physically present in the local church together, and they are pursuing the Lord together. You see, discipleship without proximity is like spiritual pornography, it's, it's, it's a cheap substitute. It's seeking a thrill without commitment. It's attempting intimacy without vulnerability. And in the end, we're all alone and our souls a little bit emptier. We were made to be in the church together. We, we say it this way at Renaissance, that we're designed to grow in community. Like that's how we grow. Jesus calls 12 disciples into close proximity to his life and says, come and follow me. And by that, he means like, literally, come hang out with me, walk with me, talk with me, come follow me, come live in proximity. We were designed to grow in community. Um, the reason why this is so important is that we're all still recovering from a pandemic, and every pastor that I know of probably has less people in the church than, what, than before the pandemic. And we live in this age where we have this amazing gift of technology where we can literally have every Christian resource under the sun at our fingertips, in the palm of our hand, on our phone, in your car, Bluetooth connection, right? You've got it right there. You've got the latest songs. You've got the latest sermons. You've got all the stuff. You can have all the Christian resources without any significant committed Christian relationships. And here's the problem. We weren't designed to grow that way. Those things are great. I love all that stuff. I love songs. I love sermons. I love all the great resources. But it's in community, in proximity, that we actually grow together. Hebrews 10, 24, you know this passage, famous. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to... Download the latest sermon? No. Not neglecting to get the latest song on iTunes? No. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but instead encouraging one another and all the more as you see the capital D day, the return of Jesus approaching. Does anyone feel like Jesus could come at any moment right now? Anyone out there? 
You know what I'm saying? Like the world is crazy. All the more, as you see, is the, the, the day approaching. This is not the time to leave. This is the time to lean in, to grow in community. And I just love the snapshot of this church, of these guys pressing in together. Now, we read this and we think, well, they didn't have all the problems we have today. They, don't have, they didn't have all the division. They didn't have all the, you know, all the craziness that we have. Guess what? This is the most unlikely group of people in the world, and they had all the problems that we have today. Let's just, just look at the names. We have Barnabas, and, and we know that Barnabas, his name was son of encouragement. He was a Levite, so that means he's, he's Jewish. Like He's heavily Jewish. And he's, he's the son of encouragement, and we just think of him like the golden retriever. Like, he just makes you feel good, right? You see Barnabas, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be all right. Like, he's the son of encouragement. This guy is amazing. And, and Barnabas is the guy who brings Saul, who used to persecute Christians, and he brings him to the disciples after the, they're like, yeah, let's not let him in the church, right? He's this amazing encouraging person. Then we have Simeon, who's called Niger, which we know this was a black Gentile convert who is transplanted to, to Antioch. He meets Jesus, and now he's leading this, this church that is one of the most influential churches that we have in the New Testament. So we have this Jewish guy, we have a, a big black guy, we have Lucius of Cyrene, who's also from North Africa, modern-day Libya. We have Menaean, the close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, who, by the way, had John the Baptist beheaded. Oh, that's your friend? Menaean, could you not post about Warehouse Churches this week? Because it's making all the members a little nervous, Okay. This was his childhood friend, something that he was a foster brother to Herod the Tetrarch. And the gospel is spreading into the household of Herod, right? This is amazing. And so we have Menaean, and then we have Saul. And can you imagine Saul? It's like Barnabas, the encourager, sends out a text message. It's like, hey, guys, we're celebrating 14 years of Saul not stoning anyone. I'm bringing a cake. Invite your friends. It's going to be awesome, right? So, so Saul was this intense guy, right? And so you just imagine the mix of these personalities into the, like, if you're a small group coordinator at a church, you would never put these people together, okay? But here we have this community, and what are they doing? They're seeking the Lord together. They, they found this unity, this common unity, community under Jesus where they can set aside all the, all the things that would divide them and they can come under the banner of Jesus and they can seek him together and say, God, we feel aimless. Would you please help us know what to do next? They're growing in community. We will never stop working to connect believers together, heart to heart. We are unapologetically committed to pursuing this biblical community together. It's why we have house churches. And so if you, if you look at your house churches options and you're like, I just, I need one with more young people. I need one with more old people. I need one with more babies. I need one with less, I need more singles. I, you know, whatever the, you think you need, just remember the early church. They found common unity under Jesus. 
we will never stop pursuing this. We will multiply house churches so that more and more people can grow in community because we are people who connect our lives together to one another. The third thing in verse three, let's just look at this real quick. Verse three, he says this, then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. You see, we were created to be people who give ourselves to God's work. There's something in you that was designed by God to do something, something worthwhile, something meaningful, something that feels purposeful. And, and if you don't have that, if you feel aimless, like, man, I just don't know what to do with myself, I, I just want you to know there's, there's good news for you because God made you that way. You're not weird. You're not off. You're not, you know, whatever. Like, you were made that way for a reason, and it's that we're designed to give ourselves to God's mission. And I love what happens here is that the Spirit speaks, the church, this community, is committing their hearts to him, connected to one another. They're going after it. They need wisdom. They need guidance. And guess what? God gives it. Isn't that great news? When you feel aimless, you need to know that God actually speaks and he gives people the wisdom and guidance that they need. And he says to them, set apart for me. Now, just detail of what's happening here in the passage is for Saul. Saul, when he receives Christ, he's on the Damascus road. Jesus appears and knocks him off of his horse and he's blinded by the light. And it says this, he's my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles. My chosen instrument. But this moment where Saul is being sent out because the Spirit says, now's the time, this moment is 14 years after. Do you think maybe Saul felt aimless at times? God, you said chosen instrument, right? But these guys, they want to have another prayer meeting. They want to fast. I want to go do something. Like, God, what is going on? You said, take my name to the Gentiles, and I'm still stuck here in Antioch. Like, I'm ready to go. I'm sure he felt aimless at times. But see, God had this purpose, this plan, this process where Saul was going to hang out with disciples for all this time, and he's going to learn how to walk with God. And he's going to grow in community. And, and at the culmination of this, what's going to happen is the Spirit's going to send him on mission. And here's the thing is that we, a lot of times, we get so antsy, so aimless, that we just want to, in our frustration, just forget all that other stuff. I'm just going to go do it. You know, forget the church. Forget whatever they have going on. Like, I'm going to go live out my mission. And here's what I, just, what I want to say to us is that we need one another. We, we need to grow together. We, we need to learn. We need to sharpen one another so that when the timing is right, when the Spirit says go, you're ready. You don't want to go before you're ready. Saul 
had been prepared through a process of walking with God, growing in community, and he's going to be sent on this mission. And I love it. How does this look here? How do you live on mission? Well, it's really simple. It's not rocket science. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. It's seeing your daily life, which includes your family, your spouse, your kids. It includes your, um, your workplace. It includes your people that you bump into at the restaurant you love, right? It's all the daily little interactions. It's seeing all of that as the very context for the mission field. It's like wherever I am, God has placed me there. And so I'm, I, I'm just having a mindset of, Lord, what do you want to do right now? I'm, I'm open to whatever opportunity you're going to put before me today to love somebody, to pray for somebody, to tell them about how you've changed my life. Seeing our lives as the mission field, right? It's, it's just simple living out our faith uh, day by day. It, it's, it's joining a house church and finding out who needs help and how can we serve. And oh, their friend just, they, they, they just had this tragedy happen in their life. Well, let's do something for them. Let's, let's take some food over there. Let's love on them. Let's pray for them. Let's send them a note, right? It's just simple things where we're, we're living on mission together. It could be seeking out discipleship. Just saying, man, I, I just, I need to grow. Like, I, I don't understand the Bible really yet, and I just need someone to help me in seeking that out. It's, it's serving on a Sunday. We, our desire is that we all serve one Sunday a month, that we were all helping out some way because what we're doing here is we're telling people about Jesus, and we want to see our community come and hear, and so we want to make sure we have amazing kids' ministry and, and greeters and, and, and worship and, and all the stuff that we do to, to do this, and that's, that's a simple way that we live on mission together. It might be going on a mission trip with Jason, right? Going short-term. Going to Guatemala or Nicaragua, wherever crazy place he's going next, right? Just hop on there and go and see God working in a different context. Go hand out stuff or build something or share the gospel with people. I mean, it's just, it's awesome living on mission because we're made for it. We're made for it. The Christian life is not a, a Jesus and me, Lone Ranger ex existence. It's not an endless, aimless praise-a-thon, right? It's walking with God in personal devotion. It's growing in community, in the church, and it's living on mission with purpose and intentionality. So I'll close. Have you felt aimless? Have you felt directionless, purposeless? Have you had that sense of like, I just, I need more. I don't know what it is. I'm just, I feel restless. Do you feel like you're being tossed around by the loudest voices of life? Have you been without revelation and you just feel like your life and your faith are beginning to loosen? Today, I just want to invite you to wipe the fog off the compass, to see with fresh eyes the call of Jesus on, upon your life. He's made you to walk with him. He's made you to live in community. 
and to live on mission. He's made us for this. Today, here's my challenge. Will you get back on the boat, grab the steering wheel, and steer? You know, that picture of abandon adrift, right? If, if you could just sort of flip it to a sailboat, if you could set your sails again, saying, God, I, I need you to speak. I, I need you to show me what to do. And I'm just going to get on that boat and I'm just going to, I'm going to steer my life towards walking with you uh, to, you know, growing in community and living on mission. Like, I'm, I'm just going after those things. And that's what I want to invite you to decide today. Like, will you do that? Will you grab the wheel and steer Again, uh, this summer, we had the opportunity to go with some friends, and uh, they were in Austin. We had a kind of like our old house church from a different time and place. Like, we all converged together on this house, and our friend has done very well, and we're grateful that he's done very well because he joined a boat club, so we got to go on the boat with him. And so we rent this boat, and he's used to driving the ski boat, but we get a pontoon. If you've ever like driven boats, there's a massive difference between driving a ski boat and a pontoon boat, right? Pontoons definitely are like blown around on the water, okay? And so he's supposed to go park this thing and he's getting like flustered, all right? And we, we can all see like he's just getting like, ah, ah, you know, he's kind of gunning the engine and trying to get it to go the certain ways. And, 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 you know, I was thinking about steering our lives. So here's a guy who doesn't quite know how to steer this thing, right? He, he knows where it's supposed to go. He doesn't know quite how to get it there. And so what we did is we started to mock him. Like, you idiot, what are you doing, right? No, that's not what we did. No, we, we started to just like loudly chastise him like, Stop what you're doing. No, we didn't do that either. Here's what we did. Us dudes, we just went up onto the corners of the pontoon, right? And we're just, we're, we're there because we're like the buffer. When that boat is going to about to like hit the side of the dock, right? We're there. We're, we're going to stop it. And I thought, what a picture of the Father's heart. That God is full of grace. And when, when we're saying, God, I just want to follow you. I want to walk with you. I want to grow in a community. I want to live on mission. I'm, I'm going to steer my life in this way. And, and when you start to make a mistake, he's not like, you idiot, right? No. He's there. He's right there, like the buffer, grabbing the side. No, good job, good job. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to learn. We're going to learn. But look, yeah, I got you. What a picture of the Father's heart. And what a picture of the church, that we'd be people who come alongside each other, and we're trying to steer our lives in the right direction here, but, but we're together. And we'll get on the end of the boat, and we will, we will help one another get it like where it needs to go. That's what we're called to be as the church, people who help one another steer ourselves into these purposes. God has made us for this. He's called us to do this. And so today, is there a step of faith that you need to take? Is it literally the step of faith? Like, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. Maybe it's, I'm that walking with God part, like, I don't do that, and I need to. 
I need to, I need to change my rhythms of my life where I can get into the Bible and begin to just pray. Maybe it's, I, I walk with God great, but I'm terrible at community. And so I just need to go and like humble myself and, and go be a part of a house church. Maybe it's, man, I, I'm great at walking with God. I'm great at community. I am terrible at the whole mission thing. But I know that's important. So I, I need to take some steps. So wherever you are today, I just want you to take a moment. Band's gonna come back up. We're gonna pray. I just want you to ask God, what is it that you're saying to me? What's the revelation that you're giving to me today that's aiming my life? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To support our work, you can like, share, subscribe, or you can donate at rin-church.org.